Boom. We're live. And we're rolling. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank Thanks you for, for coming out, brother. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for hosting. You got it, man. That uh, brunch you made was, it was epic. It's good. And you didn't even have to blow me. I know. I'm a, I'm a generous human being. I know. Good for you. It's a true humanitarian. A true humanitarian. I didn't even have to. Even give a hand ski. No, not even over the pants. No, there was no, no wristy given. Nope. As my good friends in Australia, in Australia, Australia, hand job in, in Australia is, is called a wristy. <laughs> wristy. They've always got funny names. Yeah. Fucking love some, some of my, my down under folks. Yeah. We have a cold following of people down under that listen to the podcast. I d- hey, cheers. Yeah. Cheers, che- Aussies. Fucking cheers to my fucking good cunts in Australia. Yeah, I was going to say. You know what? Uh, We're going to use that word flagrantly on the podcast flagrantly. now because Instagram does not like it. As we <laughs> as we figured out last night, I just got my page back because for those of you that are just tuning in and don't know about the Instagram drama, first of all, I'm shadow banned. I have been for months now, and I have pulled off getting shadow banned at 8, 8K, which is kind of good. But then I've, I've even doubled down on that and done better because my new page got shadow banned at like 280 but then there's conflicting reports on that. Like I have people that are t- texting me and they're like, bro, like your, your, your new page is also shadow banned. And then I have other people that are like, no, you're popping up at LON. So whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't. the Instaverse like gave me, shut my page down for almost three weeks, then turned it back on randomly as I was, as Cato and I were like adjusting the website, boom, comes back on. We were going through links because we had made some edits on the way on the website and it came back up and I was like, whoa. The old page is back up on the website. And he's like, what? And he checked his phone. I checked my phone. It was back up. And so I'm back up. But we have no explanation as to why. There was no email from Instagram. There was no reasoning why we were shut down for almost three weeks. And there was no, like, right and left lateral limit of, like, hey, you know, do this. Don't do that. If you make another mistake, you get this many strikes, and then you're permanently deleted. There's just, like, there's no guidance given. No. And as of last night when you and I were sitting enjoying or I'm sorry, not last night. Was it today? It was this morning. No, it was last night. It was last night you and I were sitting enjoying a beverage, and I'm sitting there. I haven't even posted anything, and boom, I get a notification from Instagram. I look, boom, I'm flagged. Mm. Hate speech. I'm using hate speech. For something that you did 10 months ago. For eight months ago. There yeah. you go, yeah. So I look at it, and I'm like, what? Because I've been, since they turned my page back on, I'm like, okay. Like, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get crazy, you know. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna monitor myself, and I'm gonna use the page for what the good aspects I know that I can use with to drive traffic, and mainly like start building my new page. Because here's the the main problem with it is I don't know because they they've given me no clarification or any guidance. I don't know what kind of hair trigger my pages from getting shut down permanently, permanently yeah. deleted. So I. You know, because I because I can't trust that page now, and because of shit like this happening, this illustrates my point beautifully. Like I'm sitting there, haven't even posted anything, minding my own business, and Instagram's bots or algorithms or humans are crawling all over my old posts to try and find something, and I get hit with an infraction from eight months ago. Yeah. 
So I'm like, okay, cool. What happens now if I continue to grow this and somehow I manage to get it to 10K or 12K or 14K or 18K or even 20? And then boom, something happens like that to where I posted something literally a year ago. And now they're like, oh, this was your last strike. Boom, page gone. So I'm not going to continue to put a lot of time and effort into the primary page. And I'm just going to start pushing people to my new page and then growing that because that has zero strikes on it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, intentionally ambiguous, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder what the logic is of like flagging a story from eight months ago. Like, no one's going to be able to fucking see that. Right. Like, I'll be able to see it in my archives, but the damage has already been done at that point. Right. Like, what, what specifically are you trying to accomplish by digging up dirt from my stories from a year ago? Yeah, like that, nobody, that nobody can see. No. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even use the like, favorite stories function you know how you can like oh yeah yeah make different thing like different categories and then you can save all your stories and people can go back in and like click on it and look at your old stories i don't even use that function yeah me neither so to your point it's absolutely erroneous for them to get in there and like look at your old stories in your archive to try and hit you with infractions when nobody can see it but you anyway right i mean it just it makes you feel like you're being targeted because that's probably what it is. Well, I mean, while you and I were enjoying the beautiful brunch that you made, like we started discussing some of this and some logic popped up where what is the point of like crawling all over my new, my, my old stories, my old posts, like that has to be assigned by a human for the, for an algorithm or a bot or whatever the fuck they're using, whatever tech is going on in the back, AI, whatever AI they've developed to do these things, like what is the point? Of doing yeah. that if you're not being targeted. Right. Yeah, if anyone listening has any knowledge about this or right. has worked for Instagram and can shed any light on this, much, much appreciated. Yeah, hit us in the DMs. Seriously. And um, Or at info at Lone Element because I would love to know this. And um, so my plan, getting the – because I've recently got the YouTube popular. Like no, no videos as of yet, but I got it like – I got signed in. I got it adjusted i got my branding put on it to get it ready to start dropping videos into it because we're gonna start using youtube Pornhub to follow shortly <laughs> yeah so we're going to, we're going to start utilizing that uh youtube platform and um i'm excited about it but we gotta we gotta yeah start i i have to grow things out to start pushing people to a more secure and, and like cancel resistant space so yeah, Patreon is going to be where everything lands. Like we're going to do a little bit of stuff like, like the podcast will probably remain a free mechanism. Like we're going to continue to do what we're doing with the podcast. And then we're going to put, we're going to start recording episodes like this on camera. And this we're podcast, start... how meta of us to discuss I know, the right. podcast that we're recording right at the moment. Yeah. And then we're going to start putting that. We're just going to start putting the videos of the podcast up on YouTube and that, that content will remain free, but like, any technical stuff like with gear, EDC, guns, off-roading, adventuring, yeah, cooking, like the good quality content that you see on a lot of YouTube channels, like because, you know, because I'm a veteran, because I'm pro 2A, because I, you know, love all the things that the fucking communists that run Instagram and Facebook hate, they're going to demonetize my YouTube channel either. Or, I mean, also. So mm-hmm. there's no point in me trying to grow that super huge. So what what that'll be is like, probably trailers or sizzle reels to what the content will be on Patreon. Smart. Yeah. yeah. So I will push people. The, the podcast stuff will stay free. Yeah. So like you'll be able to jump on the YouTube and watch a podcast because right. that's, that's an innocuous 
well, depending on what our language is, if I'm if I'm mother if I'm fucking people down because of the COVID stupidity, <laughs> or taking a political position on something, then who knows? Fucking YouTube might de- demonetize that too, but uh, because it, they don't. At like least it. YouTube, like, it's not. It's much more clear cut if you offend, like, because there's a strike system and it's at least transparent. Where Instagram, I think, is intentionally ambiguous, and that's probably so they can just make the the call themselves as right. to w- what's going to stay and what's going to go. And, and like we've discussed, the shitty part about it is there really isn't any competition to Instagram. No. The, in the platform and the tools, like, I, I enjoy using, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the, the politics around it and the people that run it. They have vastly different priorities than we do. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, my first video for YouTube was going to be Cato and I driving out to San Francisco to to the Instagram headquarters and like walking in and like asking people to turn my page back on and then like capturing all of that on video. Yeah, because I want some explanations, and I doubt very many humans that get shut down actually go into like get on a plane and walk into the Instagram headquarters and say, "Hey, I'm demanding some customer service here." fix this yeah no or at least give me an explanation as to why i'm shut down yeah uh, one that makes sense to me right because we can go through all of my infractions face to face human to human and you can explain them to me and then we can go from there but like i regardless of what happens i think i may do that i may do that video anyway just because i want i want explanations to you know, why should I trust, continue to trust their platform? Why should anybody continue to trust their platform when you have an algorithm that can decide your fate after years and years and years? And, and I'm, I'm small. Like your, your page is double the size of mine. Yeah. You know, you've got what, 25K? Yeah. yeah. I'm getting on something like that. 25, yeah. 26, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, we've both like, people have put time, they put years of their life into, to, uh, you know, developing content to populate their page and to grow a following and grow an audience. To then just have that taken away randomly, it's just like, wh- why would I want to continue to put a lot of time and effort into a platform like that, that has yeah. no transparency, has no customer service, and can just shut me down because they feel like it? Right. And or, their their perspective is, um, there's not anything else that you're going to be able to do. There's no competition. So mm-hmm. we can fuck you as many times as we want without lube. Right. And uh, you're just going to have to fucking grin and bear it, basically. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, so. Yeah. I mean, I think, realistically, the situation will come to a head either politically, like when the pendulum swings back the other way and we get the uh, the other, the lesser of the evils in, in office again, like maybe politically, or we get some good veterans elected during this next, you know, congressional election cycle here coming up shortly. Maybe we can get enough horsepower momentum to hold some of these tech com- companies accountable under what is it? Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to right. modify that to where they can't, they will be held accountable if they censor people and deplatform people and do those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, it, to some degree, if you look at antitrust legislation yeah. and laws, like if we're going to allow them to be, you know, basically the only player in that space, and let's be honest, you know, given their position and the amount of money they've got invested in the infrastructure. There's, I mean, a, a newcomer is just going to have an insane uphill fight. So if we're going to allow them to exist that way, then you know maybe they need to be held to a standard that, right. you know, at, le- at least have some transparency around mm-hmm. it so we can understand, like, what it is that is offending. And is it, like, blanket? Like, if I show, like, you know, 51% of a nipple, is that the same as, like, you know, 
publicly filleting Hitler, right. or is there like you know a graduated scale or <laughs> spectrum of offense, right? You know, so yeah, it's a it's a situation that'll eventually come to a head, whether it'll be through the legislation or whether it's through new competition, new technology, and uh, yeah. For now, what my, my plan is to like push everybody onto Patreon because um, we have to get away from you know those of us that are in this content game or we're entrepreneurs or we're using this as a way to connect with our customers, our audience, to grow our business, and it's and you know we rely on these technical platforms for you know our livelihood. Essentially, mm-hmm. we have to we have to get away from the uh, the idea of like not paying anything for good content, good media, because, I mean, if you look at it, everybody's on their phone all the time. I always crack up because I, I especially just from a situational awareness, which what I, which is what I teach for self-defense you oh, know, yeah. type stuff. Anytime I'm like walking around in public or I'm at a restaurant or I'm at a bar, I usually will put my phone away and I will people watch. Oh yeah. And I will have my head on a swivel. Yep. Because it's appalling to me. Like if you look around how many people are constantly like lost in their phone and what are they doing? They're on Instagram or they're on yep. Facebook or they're on Twitter or they're on one of these platforms like swiping away. And so if you're going to spend that much of your time to almost an unhealthy point, and I'm, in, I'm including myself in this, like oh, I'm for sure yeah. I'm indefinite. I definitely could turn down the screen time for sure. But, um, you know, people that are that are spending that much time consuming any type of content should like we need to get away from this whole like it should be free mentality because and i keep saying this in my new posts i'm really trying to put a campaign of like education and anti-censorship and anti-cancel culture out there to you know hey if you like what i'm doing like i'm going to offer some products for you that are going to be free of charge the podcast is going to be one of them Mm -hmm. but if you want to pick my brain on like my life experience and the and the and my technical acumen and the things that i'm a subject matter expert in just like you'd go to a doctor, just like you'd go to a lawyer, just like you'd go to any person, electrician, a plumber, fill in the blank subject matter expert that you need for a particular reason, I'm going to start charging for that because my experience is valuable. My time is valuable, you know, like, and, and I know it's going to start upsetting people when I'm like in the DMs because my new policy in the DMs is like, I get these, I get these, you know, these long, you know, sometimes two, three paragraph, huge DMs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to put out there to everybody, because I don't want to be, I don't want you to come off, you know, I don't want to come off as an asshole, but like, I have only so many hours in the day, just like every other human. And so now, like, you may not think it's a big deal and you may be a little bit offended if I'm like, hey, I can't answer that question. If you want, if you want me to answer this, then go sign up for Patreon, which is going to be my new policy. And it's going to probably start upsetting some people because they're so used and programmed to like having direct connectivity, instant gratification and not used to paying for for media or things like that, but I'm going to start doing that because if you think about it, like on average, I get 20 to 50 DMs a day, depending on like what I've posted, you know, the Ukrainian interrogation of Russian prisoners, like just started a forest fighter. And I've been like answering DMs left, right and center from that. Like that's been nonstop for the last 24 hours. But the, when I have bumps in engagement like that, like I don't have time to sit there and get into a long form discussion with you via a texting modality yeah. to explain like what optic, what, what light, what laser, what set of nods, what kind of tubes, like what kind of sling, like, you know, how should I be preparing for, 
you know, bad things to happen in the United States? Should we have, you know, another pandemic or should we have another, should we have some type of civil uprising? Should, you know, uh, should this kick off into World War III? Like I've been getting absolutely inundated with these long form texts that like realistically, like if I sat and answered all of these in detail and engaged these people out to answer all of their questions in long form like that, it would take up four or five hours of my day every day. Oh, yeah. Easy. I don't – a working day is eight hours for most human beings. Like mine is usually 10 to 12, and I have lots of stuff going on, and I don't have time to sit for four or five hours for free, burn up five hours of my day for free to answer all of these in-depth questions. Like I'm so grateful for my followers, and I'm so grateful for the people that engage me and want to ask those questions. I love you guys. I do. But realistically, from a time management perspective, I don't have time. And realistically, the, the things that you guys are asking me or want to discuss, you know, I, if, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to monetize it. Well, and here's the thing that people have to also understand is like what appears to be a simple question to you ultimately may involve like a great deal of back and forth discussion, right? Correct. And if, if you're going to stand behind those answers... You know, one, there's going to be a lot of engagement. Two, it's going to take a long time. And three, like, you, you are ultimately, you know, it's not unreasonable to, to ask for some compensation for that, right? Right. Because, like, even, a you know, a, a question such as, you know, which optic should I buy? Well, the answer really is it depends. It's highly dependent upon. What are you going to use that gun for? Yeah. What's the objective? What type right. of weapon is it? Yeah what you know what's what's realistic and likely for you to encounter you know right. so it's and, and just a tip for people if if you want to engage with someone on social media such as instagram you you have to remember like like i've got you know twenty six thousand followers like i literally get hundreds of dms a day mm -hmm. I, I i do my best to talk to everyone and try and engage with you but like i if you want me to respect you and continue to want to talk to you I, I can't have a like a conversation with you all day like you can't mm -hmm. just spam me with reel after reel after reel after reel and like yeah. i'm sorry like i don't want to be a dick about it right? right but like i just don't i don't have the capability to like dedicate that much time to you and nobody else right i have to right. be kind of democratic with <laughs> and, and fair with the time that i, I apply and again i am unbelievably thankful for everyone that follows me like i you guys are awesome like i so appreciate the support that you give me i know that time ultimately is a commodity and you can you know choose to spend your time with with everyone else and i want to talk to you but i just like i can't have like you know people just constantly blowing me up all day and i think that that's that's one thing if you want you know big people on those platforms to talk to you and engage with you just be respectful of their time ultimately yeah. You know, it's the same thing, you know, looping back to what you're talking about there. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think people get lost in, like, what their perception and their reality is to where, like, you know, I've got several followers that, like, they have in between 20 and 300 followers. Yeah. And I think they get used to just, like, communicating with their friends and then, like, you know, doing what they do for work or for whatever and living their lives. And they that automatically in the back of their mind is how it is for everyone. Right. And they don't understand that like with these bigger pages comes more engagement with more engagement comes more time. And it's just like, 
at some point you've got to like draw some lines in the sand in, in terms of like what you're going to you got to triage basically yeah. your, your dms like i go through my dms sometimes and i have to triage it which is why in the past people have gotten you know frustrated with me because they're like dude i've dm'd you like three times and i'm like okay and then i'll like look and i'll see i'll scroll up you know because by the time that hits my radar i'm like okay cool like let me scroll up here yep I miss some things, but then if I go back to those dates that they were DMing me and I look through, I scroll down and I go like through those dates, there were days where I was like in it all day long or I was on the road traveling and then those DMs just got buried by more DMs because yeah. I, I posted something, you know, I'm, I'm at the gas station getting gas and I'm like, oh, I haven't posted any content today. So boom, I put up a post and then I get back on the road and I'm driving for like another eight hours and while I was driving, boom, like. I mean, this happened yesterday yeah. while I was driving down here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I posted something or put a, put up a story or something, and then, like, a bunch of DMs just got buried. And then I will go through them and triage them, and there's times where I, like, click on something, and then I get distracted because somebody calls me on the phone or, or an email pops up. Or, you know, I'm working and doing something else. I'm working on fill-in-the-blank thing, and, and then I lose track of that DM. So yeah. because there's such a high volume of incoming traffic – like you sometimes have to DM me two or three times, depending on what it is to get my attention and to get me to Roger up. Yeah. And it's not, you know, like that we're trying to intentionally ignore you or anything like that. The other thing that I've recently discovered is that there, the Instagram's bad about categorizing uh, DMs from new people. Right. And I recently found like in the hidden messages folder, there was hundreds of legitimate DMs that, Never made it. Never made it in. Yeah, because yeah. Instagram thought they were spam or, or something like that, you yeah. know, and I felt bad. I was like, man, I I never saw this, you know, and I tried to reach out, but it's a, it's, it's a lot of work, man. It's a, <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of work that comes along with that, you know, so. Well, and also, too, like, if you want to, like, ask some type of long-form question, push the follow button. Like, if you care to, like, engage yeah. me, because that's, that's what happens a lot of times, too, is, like, people, you'll show up in somebody's search feed they'll click on your page they'll look at some of your content they'll be like oh this is a cool page oh cool what are the oh look at these videos and then they will or these posts and they will then be like oh i'm gonna dm this guy and ask him a question about this or i'm gonna make a comment in the dms about this post or this story or reel or fill in the blank and then it goes to a hidden folder or yeah. it goes to whatever because you're not following the page and then we never see it until yeah. like weeks or months later like i had a ton of messages from shot show that like I didn't see on my company page because for that reason, like it was a bunch of people that were not following my page that tried to DM me and then just got sent to the, the hidden or requests, the requested folder. And then I get busy and I'm not paying attention to that. And then yeah, time goes by and then I'm like, and then something will ping and I'm like, Oh, what's this? Oh, it's in the requested folder. What's that? Click on it. And then like, I have just like you said, 70, 80, 90 DMS in there from people that like yeah had like you said had legitimate questions that I I would have engaged on but because they didn't hit that follow button they're not they're not making it until way way later yeah yeah and and I know like you know talking to some people with bigger pages you know for a lot of people it just it gets so overwhelming that they will like literally shut off like the ability to comment on their stories and stuff like right. that like I don't want to do that you know right. I I prefer to be able to stay someone that you can engage with but it, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of work, you know. Yeah. So 
do my best ultimately at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, there were some tools. I think you and I were talking about it on the phone. I found some tools where you can like adjust the settings to like only let certain people comment on your page. Yeah. You can shut off comments altogether, which I've considered doing. But then of course then that is gonna limit the algorithm from picking up on you and like proliferating your page and you know but I don't know if that even matters because I'm shadow banned so hard. So like at the end of the day, like <laughs> yeah. a lot of the things that I got infractions on were just me joking around with you. You yeah. were one of them. Like fifty yeah, percent yeah. of the infractions that I had was you and I bantering and, and just talking shit and having fun with each other. Right. You know, and apparently the algorithm can't identify context because there's laughing face emojis and I'm still getting flagged for violence and hate speech because I'm, yeah. I'm joking around with my friends. Well, and, and I've seen that a, a ton, you know, like, Kelsey, for example, yeah. she, you know, was at risk of losing her page. And, it, you know, she's making clearly sarcastic, innocuous comments. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's, it's, it's ironic. It's, it's sad, but kind of funny that, you know, they're the ones that get to determine what's offensive to this person that, <laughs> like, shouldn't, if, if that's really that big of a concern, shouldn't the person that's the recipient of the, <laughs> of the, the humor be the one to determine Right. Whether it's offensive or not, like right, and yeah, like all the data you collect and all of these little complicated, very gray community guidelines that you guys put out at Instagram, like you guys can't, you're not smart enough to build an algorithm that can like look and say, oh, these two follow each other, and because you have access to our DMs, be able to look in the DMs and be like, oh, these guys chat with each other all the time, they're friends, they just invited each other out for beers, and oh, by the way, this comment had two laughing face emojis on it. It might be sarcasm, and they're friends. Right. So at that point, like, why the fuck are you getting involved? Yeah. Like, why are you, why are you getting involved in conversation between two people bantering with each other that you can clearly tell have a history of engagement and are friends and follow each other and then are messaging each other for beers and then the whole reason emojis were invented is that so you can put context on written text yeah and so people know why you're what like how you're delivering that text right and oh instagram's not smart enough to figure that out they're not yeah yeah they're not smart enough to draw the lines to say oh old dr farnsworth and dr bishop are <laughs> extremely good colleagues yeah we go way back yeah so half of my infractions were like us bantering talking shit back and forth to each other the other half were with uh, Griff, my friend Griff from Combat Flip Flops. Yeah. And then there was like one absolutely ridiculous one for solicitation of illegal sexual activity because I put up a piece of artwork. Yeah, that that one's really, <laughs> that one is baffling to me because like right. you can post something that is functionally identical, especially if it's like it's a painting or something like that. Right. Um, and one thing gets flagged as solicitation and the other one doesn't like it's again that's that's the the biggest issue i have with with instagram and their you know the the system infraction is it's so unclear what and there's just like there's no way to really you can't read about it necessarily like you can't there's there's no way to really understand the the guidelines that you're trying to work with them yeah correct and that's extraordinarily frustrating yeah well i mean the artwork that i copied link and reshared that they said was illegal solicitation of sexual activity was an artist who happened to, he he happens to have a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. Okay. So his page has great growth, and he's at a hundred thousand followers, and he's just putting up his art. Yeah, but when I do it, it's right. Yeah, but when I do it, it's against community guidelines. Yeah, and I've seen that where it's literally just a picture, and I don't even there's no text, right? right? There's nothing. No, no one's tagged in it. And mm -hmm. Like, I, 
it's it's a it's a bizarre I don't know if it's the, it, it's a bug necessarily. Like right. that, I almost want to lean that way because it doesn't make any other sense. It makes sense any other way, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's, bizarre. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, how about Russia and Ukraine, man? <laughs> oh, better yet, how about everybody's ridiculous like viewpoints on Russia and Ukraine? Like I woke up to this this morning, and you and I had a great fun conversation about it last night about all of the. All the intel experts and like yes. diplomatic and foreign affairs experts that are popping up on Instagram now to give give me their two cents. I had this individual that came up on my page and like wanted to start arguing semantics about war crimes because he thought that the Ukrainians filming the interrogation of Russian and it wasn't even interrogation. I wouldn't even call it interrogation. I call it tactical questioning. Mm-hmm. The tactical questioning. An on-site tactical questioning of a out of an enemy combatant that's invading your country, and he's like, "That's that's war crimes. That's coercion." That, I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't necessarily know that that's true because I haven't done the research on that yet. But even if it is true, I doubt the Ukrainians whose children are being murdered by rockets and artillery give a rat's ass about if they're going to get in trouble for filming a tactical questioning and putting it on Instagram." Yeah, let's prioritize um, what we're focusing on here, mm-hmm. and uh, to me. The wholesale slaughter of non-combatants is a little more important than filming. <laughs> right, right. The Russians, invader. the Russians are killing women and children. They're specifically targeting civilians yeah. to try and get the population to turn against the government and get them to capitulate and surrender. It's a tactic as old as time. Yeah. You know, it's been like that tactic's been going on since the days of Alexander the Great, more than likely. So, Correct. So, yeah. Hey, King, if I slaughter your people out here in these little villages that you're not protecting, well, then guess what? They will turn against you. That is exactly and they, correct. And they will side with us. Yep. And then we will have safe passage to come siege your castle. Right. Yep. And and there's, you know, levels of that. If you look at some of the airstrikes that the United States, you know, did in, uh, in the late 90s, um, right. you know, they were specifically targeting infrastructure, electricity, communications. Yep. Basically to try and make it uncomfortable for the populace. And then the populace turns around and puts pressure on the government, right? Right. But the other way you can do that, of course, is just by murdering people, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And so it's been it's been interesting to see this thing unfolding. And for the people out there that want to, like, argue semantical things, like, I, first of all, I don't have time for that. Second of all... Like, if you aren't, you don't have enough critical thinking skills to, like, see what's going on and watch in real time via, you know, social media, the, you know, the naked aggression of the Russian government. You know, like, the big argument is, like, oh, well, there's, there were Nazis in Ukraine's committing atrocities in these two, uh, one of the two that's, like, the, I can't pronounce them, Lunesk, and then, uh. Donbass? Donbass. Yeah. 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 Like there's the two breakaway regions. Yeah. Basically, the, the, yeah. L, the LPR and the DNR or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just call them that since I can't pronounce them. Yeah, it works. But, uh, you know, and, and did some of that maybe happen in the last, you know, however many years? What's it been? Eight years? Uh, yeah. 14, yeah. 2014. Yeah. 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 yeah probably. Yeah. Um, but that's also them trying to re- like basically regain control of two breakaway republics in their, in their, you know, in their country. And that's. Uh, you know, I'm not going to justify any Ukrainian, you know, murdering of Russian ethnic Russian sympathizers, but that's a long stretch away from invading a, a neighboring country under the guise of 
peacekeeping operations right. when you're specifically targeting civilian centers with MLRS rockets, which, by the way, are not a smart weapon system. No. It's considered a dumb weapon system, which means there's no guidance on it to specifically guide it to a military target. Yeah. So they're just stepping, they're parking these vehicles and just firing off these high explosive rockets in mass into civilian populated areas. Yeah, and these are, I mean, they, the the typical weapon systems that they're using are the most indiscriminate. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. And know? then along with all of their artillery pieces that they're just yeah. lining up and firing hundreds of rounds into town centers, town yeah. squares. They're just saturating, yeah. you know, these yeah, and you know, you've you probably have seen recent drone footage, like the BBC did uh, some flyovers of a few Ukrainians, and they're they're unrecognizable. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Syria after. Yeah, you it know, looks like a Aleppo. decade of civil war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost been completely razed to the ground. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it just it, it amazes me how many Russian sympathizers are popping up on social media too. And I don't, you know, I, I, I would imagine a good chunk of those are probably Russian trolls, mm-hmm. you know, the troll farm or something like that. Yep. They're just so discord. But like, I, I, I'm sure that there are, you know, <laughs> Americans that have this, the view of this whole conflict so twisted. I mean, I, I can't, I, I've seen multiple comments where they're basically saying, you know, it's, it's, it's the U.S.'s fault this is happening. And, you know, because, you know, they, they view, the change in leadership in Ukraine as, you know, basically like a CIA coup. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow that justifies, you know, this war and conflict, which is just crazy to me. It's just bizarre. I mean, I, I don't see anyone else that's wholly responsible for this other than Vladimir Putin. Correct. This was a complete war of choice. It was an mm-hmm. optional thing. Ukraine is, had, you know, basically no threat to them, existential, economically or otherwise. Well, there were no security. They're, they're not a security threat to, no. the, to, to Russia at all. No. Like, they're, it, they're, not, they're not aggressing Russia in any way, shape, or form. No. They're not a NATO member currently. No. Nope. Um, so, you know, the, the idea that... And I don't think they're a member of the EU as, as well. I, I, think, I don't think they are. They the, may be. They've been offered entrance into the EU recently. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure if they've Is that pre- or, or post-invasion? This is post-invasion. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, yeah, I don't know how you could look at this any other way but what it is. We haven't seen this type of, like, naked aggression of, like, state on state for for 70 years, since World War II. Yeah. The invasion of a civil nation state neighbor for really no reason. I mean, he says it's for peacekeeping operations, but we clearly know what it's for. He wants control of the natural and oil, you know, the natural gas and the oil there. Yep. Because it's a o- very oil-rich country, and he wants control of the, and they just recently surrounded it, and it makes me a little nervous. That the largest nu- nuke plant in Europe, yeah, n- not Chernobyl. There's a there's a different one. Yeah, it's, it starts with a Z. If, yeah. if if I could not pronounce that for my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've gone to my head. I don't. I can't pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, they've they've recently the Russians have encircled that and tried to assault it and were repelled. But like any time you've got fighting. In a nuke plant, that makes me really fucking nervous. We don't need very much so. We don't need Chernobyl Part Two. We no. don't. We don't need large clouds of radioactive dust floating around the planet, fucking radiation poisoning. No, everything in its path. Like we don't need that. So that makes me a little bit concerned. Uh, but he wants control of that nuke plant because if he can get control of that nuke plant, then that means he's 
you know, the largest nuke plant in Europe, I guarantee you, is providing not just energy to Ukraine, but probably several of its nation state neighbors. Correct. Um, and this is where the tipping point could be where you'd see NATO get involved if, like, the Russians try and take control of a nuke plant that is providing energy to NATO-friendly countries. I mean, this, this, he wants that as a leverage point. Absolutely. He wants to leverage that. He wants to monetize that. He wants to monetize the natural resources of Ukraine. He wants to build a pipeline from Ukraine, a gas and oil pipeline, into Europe so yeah. that people have to kiss his ring. Like the EU has to kiss the Putin ring. Yes. Yeah. And, and don't, you know, I would say don't make any mistake that this ultimately is about money. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of money that they're investing in just the military operation yeah. alone, they'd have to at least have the great possibility of recouping that cost plus some. I, I think that's pretty pretty clear to see that this ultimately is of economic origin. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing too is they're like, well, we didn't diplomatically listen to them and they, they perceived Ukraine as a as a as a threat to them and, and NATO as a threat to them and they didn't want a NATO country on their borders and and but there's already eight. <laughs> Correct. And Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard, as much as I'm a fan of like her message yeah. and how she carries herself and her level of professionalism and her message that is usually of love and unity, which I, I dig that. Yeah. She's a little bit, I think, off the mark when she's like, well, if we would have just listened to them and what they wanted and engaged them. And, and yes, that's probably true to a certain extent. Like if we would have engaged them a little bit more on a diplomatic level. There would probably, you know, it maybe could have deterred this, but like the whole excuse that, you know, we didn't listen to them and they didn't want a NATO country on their border. Well, guess what? Let's just walk this down the road. Let's let's just fast forward and just say in a year, the Russians secure Ukraine. Yeah. In the next year, Ukraine falls, the Russians secure it. And now it is annexed into this into Russia. Well, guess what? Romania, Czechia, Poland, Estonia. Latvia, which are all now bordering countries. Yep, Lithuania. Yep. Those are all NATO countries. Correct. So guess what? Your argument for saying that the U.S. doesn't care diplomatically about the threat that Ukraine, if it was a NATO country, poses to your border is now erroneous because now you have six, seven, eight new yeah. countries that are NATO-friendly bordering you. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and again, I just and uh, Poland board and Poland is a NATO country. It already borders correct the Soviet Union. Yeah, so it shares a border with the Soviet Union. Yes. So I'm like, or not the Soviet Union. That's that's how old I am. I yeah. just I just showed my age right there. <laughs> Russia, Russia, yeah, <laughs> Russia. It was the Soviet Union when I was a kid. So Russia, it it already shares a border with Russia. Like Russia is already sharing borders with NATO countries. Yeah. To your point, yes. and and it would only increase if it secures. Ukraine and annexes it and makes it part of Russia. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't buy that at all, unfortunately. And again, I, 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 yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I generally like Tulsi and her message, and I, th I think there's, she's, there's a lot of even as a politician things that uh, to like about her. I don't see the justification being one productive and two accurate. It's like you know someone committing murder, and then you're like, well, but you know right. he had you know this and and. He was, you know, threatened and, yeah, but he still committed the, the, the crime, right? <laughs> right? Like, Correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, we, ha we have to call a spade a spade here. And I, I don't think there's, again, it, there's no one else really that we can point to. Yeah, if somebody uses harsh language against you, it's not a license to kill them. Right. Yeah. Right. So 
Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see both sides of the argument here. I can see how the narrative, I can see how the possibility of the lens, you know, could be, could look from an opposite direction. If we're gonna like devil's advocate, like I can see what people may be confused about, but yeah. to me, like that confusion should have evaporated the second he pushed troops into Ukraine under the guise of a peacekeeping operation. Yeah, like, it, like if you're gonna if you're gonna peacekeep it. And you are you want to stop supposedly the what did, how did he call it the Nazification? Correct. You want to stop the Nazification of the DNR and the LPR, and you want to protect those Russian ethnic Russians that that are friendly to Russia and that live in those republics within the Ukraine. Why not just sweep in, secure those, help those two republics secure themselves, right? And stop your limit of advance on the borders of those republics, correct? And be done. Yeah. Why are you launching rockets and artillery into civilian centers? Yeah. Why are you invading a country on, under the guise of a peacekeeping mission? No, we've seen what peacekeeping missions, legitimate ones, look like. Right. And that is not it. <laughs> Correct. At all. I mean, just look yeah. at the equipment that they're, they're bringing and the types of tactics that they're using. This is not at all a peacekeeping mission. You yeah. don't, you know, in the opening hours of a peacekeeping mission, you know, use tactical ballistic missiles and cruise missiles to knock out radar yeah. And command and control and, you know, SAM sites. And I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's very clearly the beginning stages of an invasion um, and a, a very large scale military operation. There's no, I mean, it's a joke to, to, to pretend otherwise. Correct. Yeah. So hopefully that, that illuminated some good critical thinking points for those of you that want to continue to bombard us on Instagram with questions about Ukraine and then or comments and and skewed opinions about what you think is going on. So yeah, and and again to note, I, we certainly understand that there is a very complex history between the two countries. There's a lot of nuance. There have been transgressions on both sides. Uh, we're not saying that any one party is a monolith nor completely innocent. I totally understand that. Right. Um. I like we can recognize that. And still be adult enough about it to still, again, recognize and call it what it is, which is a totally illegal, unnecessary war of choice right. that is resulting in the deaths of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, eventually, and the displacement of millions. That should be clear-cut enough for us to just set the, the rest of the argument aside and focus on the pieces of this that might be productive, which is what do we do now? <laughs> Well, and yeah, and the thing that makes me nervous is about there's always to every decision making, to every decision we make, there are first, second, third, and fourth order effects. Like right. the throwing of the stone into the pond and the ripples. And those ripples, when they travel far enough, turn into tidal waves, and those tidal waves will destroy things. So, right. what are the third and fourth order effects of this? And, and one of which, like recently, as of this morning, makes me nervous when we've got the, the, the largest functional nuclear power plant now actively being contested and there's firefights going on inside the fence. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a large fire as well that right. had to be put out and, you know, good luck firefighting, especially in a nuclear power plant while you're being shot at. Yes. You know, like, uh, that sounds like the absolute worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Pretty much. It's up yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Go fight, go put out this large fire while you're being shot at in a nuclear yeah. Facility. Yeah, yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah. Sounds like another Chernobyl fucking possibility in the making. To right. Me is what it sounds like. So yeah. 
Yeah, these, so the other thing that's concerning is if the power plant is damaged enough to then it starts fucking, there's a nuclear reaction and a meltdown, and we have another Chernobyl situation where we have radiation poisoning on a massive scale. Yeah. That's one thing that up that gives me pause for concern. The other is a NATO country stepping up and being like, no, this is unacceptable, and you're not going to like, you're not going to endanger the rest of the planet, and we're going to send forces in to reinforce Ukraine around the nuke plant, and we're mm-hmm. going to hold security around the nuke plant, and then Putin taking that as NATO intervention and maybe pushing a nuclear nuclear button, or maybe declaring World War Three and saying, okay, fuck it, it's game on. Correct. And Europe, we're coming after you. Right, because that's that's part of the NATO agreement is basically, you know, one country goes to war, we all go to war. Right. For better or worse, you know, ultimately. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's, you know, it, I don't like it. And, you know, there's still people on, on of a certain opinion that think the United States should be intervening in this, you know. And I definitely understand where they're coming from. But, you know, to one point, it's obviously not necessarily our fight. And two, like you're saying, like the second and third order effects of this are potentially catastrophic. I mean, we're talking about total war here, necess- you know, possibly. And the other thing about, you know, Russian military doctrine is, you know, Western nations, U.S. specifically, there's a very clear differentiation between, you know, what constitutes a threat necessary of a nuclear response and not, where Russian doctrine is written in such a way that they can very easily use tactical nuclear weapons. Right. Um, which, you know, at this point, a tactical nuclear weapon is basically the size of Hiroshima, right? I mean, given, yep. you know, the potential energy of, of modern nuclear weapons. So, and then, you know, what is that? How do you respond to that? You know, um, it's just, it's a very slippery slope here. Yes, and, it is. Extremely. And I think Putin is not a, a, a dumb guy. And I think he knows that. And I think he's certainly aware of <laughs> our resistance to getting involved when it comes to things like that you know so yeah i think he's counting on it ultimately yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's not good and realistically like everybody should be paying also really close attention to what china is doing right now yeah absolutely because they've been they've been probing taiwan pretty good while everybody the whole world's distracted by what's going on in ukraine the chinese have also been fucking with taiwan by doing flyovers yeah, and that's that's another kind of nightmare scenario that I was worried about is they would, you know, kind of jointly take advantage of the situation here mm-hmm. and, you know, launch a, an incursion into Taiwan. And, yeah, this is just – it's just another reason why we need to try and use every diplomatic and economic and political tool available to us prior to committing any sort of military forces. Yeah, I mean, getting ahead of, ahead of the political situation is super important, but, it you know, it's – doesn't help when we have the leadership that we have in the White House right now. No, not I mean, at all. We've got a vice president that fucking probably couldn't even point to Ukraine on a map if she was given one that had it written on it. So, uh, and we've got a president that doesn't even know what room he's in yeah, half the where time. where he is and half the time. Yeah, can't <laughs> yeah. even form a fucking sentence. Yeah, calling Ukrainians Iranians during the State of the Union address. So it's 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 not a great time. It's no. A, it's, an, it's a time that, like, I definitely think that it's warranted for our large scale of concern amongst you know i've, I've been my dm dms get inundated on a on a daily basis with people or that are like what do you think's gonna happen uh what should i be doing to prepare do you think world war three is gonna kick off like i've had people straight up tell me i'm scared oh yeah 
Like yep. people will DM me and say, Brian, I'm scared for my life and for my family. I think World War Three might be on our doorstep. What should I do? Yeah, and you know that that's that might be a silver lining to you know the COVID air quotes pandemic was <laughs> that it was one of those black swan events, but it, it so much of especially you know living a life in a comfortable Western nation is well that'll never happen here. Right. That's not going to happen. Like those things don't occur to us, and I, I think it's just shown that no, there's it's a very fine line between order and chaos, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know, <laughs> for lack of of any way to, any other way to to put it, is it, it absolutely can't happen. Yeah, and we need to recognize that, right? Yes. Um, you know, so I think it's just people are starting to kind of wake up a little bit here and say. You know, if if that can occur, what else can potentially happen? And that, yeah, it's gonna. That's that's a very fearful, scary proposition. Hmm. You know, ultimately at the end of the day. So. Yeah, elections have consequences. So you know, it's a thing that's been said several times over the last couple decades, and it'll continue to ring true. Yeah. You know? For sure. But uh, I think my overall opinion of this situation is, it's not our fight. Yeah. Now, do I? agree or does it sit well with me to watch the murder of innocent civilians women and children getting killed in the streets of ukraine no certainly not no that grinds against me that that's the kind of shit that makes me want to pick up a gun yeah absolutely watching women and children and helpless people getting fucking murdered does not sit well with me but that said from a from a you know global positioning or global strategic standpoint like it's not our it's not our fight right and we should not get involved especially after 20 years of you know global war on terror we should not be we should not be getting involved and and the main reason for that is like it or not the ukraine is not a member of nato like it or not ukraine is not a member of the eu right therefore we are not obligated to do anything to intervene in the situation and so and i think putin knew that as well like i think he was playing both sides of the street on like hey can i draw the u.s into a a war or hey can can i keep them at bay because i've got my finger on on a nuclear trigger and these guys aren't a member of nato or the eu and i can just sweep in there and do what i want no one's going to stop me right yeah i think he he took a look at his his critical decision making matrix and i think it was pretty well outlined for him especially given the state of our country the level of division that's going on and then the current leadership status of the current leadership yeah. and and anybody that thinks that the world and i said this several times during podcasts and on social media it's probably one of the reasons that they shadow banned me and, and blocked me took my page down was because i was very vocal about uh our exfil from afghanistan yes and anybody that's a pure adversary that watched that it drew a very clear picture of like we don't have our shit together no no we're not yeah. good at we're good at starting wars. We're not good at ending them. <laughs> Correct. And that's, again, that's another thing why you have to, you know, be very careful with being the police force of the world. Because yeah. in so many circumstances, those countries are not necessarily better off. Not always, but, you know, after a, a military intervention by the United States, you know. So, you know, it's a, we've got to be very careful and very judicious with the application of our, our military. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an interesting situation, man. It's going to be, like I said, there's going to be third and fourth order effects that nobody's going to see happening. I mean, it gives me a little bit of hope that to see, you know, I think uh, I looked at it this morning right before we were getting ready to eat. And uh, they're like Putin and Zelensky are sitting down 
for talks in Belarus right now. Uh, you know, so hopefully, hopefully he can come up with something. But I don't, I don't see Putin relenting. I don't see him backing off this. No. Especially after as much skin in the game as they've lost already. Correct. I mean, what was the what were the last figures that you read for for losses and casualty? Do you know right off the top of your head? Um. So uh, you know the, these figures are so, especially the amount of personnel casualties. The last I saw was being reported as that nine thousand Russian Russian soldiers have uh, have been killed. That I don't think that includes surrendering. I don't think that includes injuries. That seems high to me. But I think you know some some websites are. Some organizations like this, uh, this organization called Oryx seems to have done a pretty good job of tallying hardware that has been destroyed or captured. And that's, you know, you're probably looking at several hundred tanks and APCs and, you know, fighting vehicles that have been either captured or destroyed. The, the losses have been significant, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, considering that I think during the whole 20 years in Afghanistan, we lost, what, 4,600 troops? Oh, yeah. So... In yeah. 20 years, we lost 4,600 people. And, like, let's just cut that number in half that you just mentioned. What did you say, 9,000? Mm-hmm. Let's just cut it in half and say 4,500. Yeah, it's already it's they, likely they, eclipsed. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've matched us or lost what we lost in 20 years during the first eight, in, eight days. In a week, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and that's it, it, some of that, I think, is also doctrine. You know, if you, if you study Russian military doctrine, they, they don't place a great deal of value on an individual soldier's life. No. Um, and you can, you can, you know, same thing with, you know, China is, you know, when you have, if people are a resource and you have what is almost an unlimited amount of that resource, you're not going to be as careful with it as you would be, right. you know, otherwise. And I think that's, yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just, I am, I'm a little... Especially after the last 10 years, Russia has been touting that it's modernized its military, that it's, you know, doing all these things from a a tactical perspective that they've, they're now seasoned from fighting in Syria and Mm -hmm. fighting in Crimea and these breakaway regions. And I, I just don't know, I don't know why they haven't done more ultimately at this point. Like I... Obviously, I'm I'm with the people of Ukraine. I think they're doing a great job at resisting this this force. But I mean, numbers are numbers, and there there are some un- inescapable realities of the overmatch that Russia has, capability-wise, number-wise, etc. But they don't seem to be really playing their hand very well. Well, and I think they underestimated the effect of people fighting for their freedom, fighting for their way of life, fighting for their children. For their homes. Yeah, like, on their home turf. Yeah, yeah. On, the, on their home turf. Like, oh, man, be a foreign invader that comes to my neighborhood. I will fucking decimate you. Single-handedly, I will decimate you. Oh, yeah, you. yeah. So I can only, you know, like, it's in a way benefits them that they're on their home turf. But, like, man, the uh, I don't think you can, uh, I don't think the Russians factored in the human, the, the, the human, like, for lack of a better term, the human factor. Right. That's something that always is underestimated, you know, going back to, you know, not to sound cliche, but I'm going to sound cliche, like the, the Spartans at Thermopylae. Yeah, yeah. 300 of them strategically placed in the mouth of that canyon held off, you know, and who's to say what the real numbers are, but they were substantially, whatever they are, they were substantially outnumbered. And yes, did they die to the last man? Sure they did. But the amount of like damage and casualties that they inflicted on the Persian army was ca- it was catastrophic. Oh yeah, that. yeah. So, like historically speaking, the human factor always plays a crucial part in any type of warfare. Absolutely. I mean, look at look at us. 
look at us as Americans. Like we were getting our asses kicked by the British for a, a long, a hot minute. And things didn't turn around for us until Washington was like, fuck it through the Hail Mary pass. And, you know, went over the river in, you know, on, on Christmas. Right. And then that's when, and then that's when the French saw like our capabilities finally. And we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to get involved in this and started aiding us. And then we started like turning things around and kicking ass. But like, up until that moment, we were, we were, things were not looking good for us. No, definitely not. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's another good example of the application of guerrilla tactics. Right. You know, they're like Sun Tzu has said it, many military scholars, you know, you, you have to look at these mismatches and, and, you know, the most positive light possible. If, if they're large and you're small, right. you're maneuverable. You're easy, you know, to blend in. You're, you know, you, and you have to utilize those. And I think that's, What's interesting is, is you know, lo- looking at a lot of the footage that's coming out um, of Ukraine is we're seeing the aftermath of a lot of these fights, and you're not getting a good handle on how they're they're beginning necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you know, it certainly appears that a relatively small force of like Ukrainian soft with man portable javelin and end laws. Yeah, anti armor. Yeah, they're they are absolutely cleaning Russia's clock. Right. <laughs> because they're they're catching these these columns out in the open, um, they're mm-hmm. boxing them in, and they're just yeah. I mean, they're doing it. They're doing as 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 great of a job as I think you possibly can do under right. the circumstances. Yeah, and I mean, Russia's not doing itself any favors by mobility killing their own vehicles with a lack of logistics to support them. Like yeah, vehicle convoys running out of gas and sitting there, and those soldiers, I can't blame them. Are like, well. We can sit here until the fucking Ukrainians come and start putting javelins in the side of us, or we can fucking get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, when you're not being properly supported and can't carry out your mission because your, you know, logistics supply train or your your command and control structure can't function effectively and support you in the way that you need to to accomplish your objectives, like, what's the point of dying in a fucking, sitting on a road in Ukraine, dying in a fucking tank? Like, they're... There isn't. No. Yeah. And hey, that really fancy, you know, new T90 tank that is, is you've got, it's a great piece of equipment until it runs out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> then it's absolutely worthless. Yes. You know? Um, and that's the other interesting thing is that, you know, Russia really has not brought their air power to bear. And there's a lot of theories as to why that is. You know, one, their initial strikes, I don't think were as effective as they had anticipated them to be in terms of knocking out Ukraine's integrated air defense network. Because um, the assessments as of you know this morning were that Ukraine's network of, of air defenses, whether it's man-portable or in-placed, is still very much functional. Yeah. And it, they're the, still continuing to shoot down aircraft every day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it appears that Ukraine is using just as much air power, if not more so, than Russia is. And they've got... a vastly smaller air force than than russia does you know so you know it begs the question why is that 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 russia is not bringing them to bear and i, I you know it could be a lack of precision guided weapons you know it, it could be that they just don't want to risk it they are forced to fly very low level where they're susceptible to stingers and um you know other man pads you know it's it's just a it's an interesting question because that air power as we've we've shown time and time again since really world war ii integrated with ground forces that's the one to knock out punch you know that really makes the biggest difference when you're fighting an adversary yeah, yeah combined arms combined arms that's yeah. that's the doctrine you know so yeah we're masters of it absolutely 
So the uh, the other thing too is look at things from his perspective. They might be holding things in reserve because they might very well be like, well, what if we do piss off the U.S.? Yeah. What if we do draw the U.S. into a war? Right. What if we do draw NATO into a war? Now we've got you know twenty plus countries plus the U.S. coming after us. Like we should probably hold some of our our military assets in reserve to deal with that situation should it go there. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I also think that although. You know, Russia does have some advanced airframes, SU-57, for example. There's not very many of them, and they're very difficult to replace. You know, right. so you know that's great. And and you know, I've we've had this conversation. I've made this argument. You know, these are all effectively tools, and they look really good on their own, but they are a part of a kill chain. They're a part of this overall system, and they're only one piece of that that puzzle. Right. And if any one piece is not effective, whether it's logistics, whether it's the ability to find and fix and, um, you know, actually target what you need to, there's, they, they really aren't going to be much good to you, you know, right. ultimately. Yeah, a jet is only as good as its software updates, as good as its, your ability to put high-performance jet fuel in it to fly it, and then your ability to put weapons and targeting systems on that that can effectively, positively identify and engage and neutralize threats. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is, is Russia does not have a ton of airframes that are, I guess, modern enough to really utilize precision-guided weapons. I mean, we're so used to it. You'd think that, you know, it's a, it's a relatively simple thing, but, you know, to have a JDAM or, you know, a laser-guided, you know, missile or, or, or bomb, et cetera. But that, again, takes a lot of support <laughs> right. to make it work. Um, and, and in Syria... The vast majority of the ordnance that, that Russia delivered was just dumb bombs. Right. Just very simple, unguided munitions. That, you know, they, they really only have a couple of platforms that are capable of, you know, painting a target and using a precision-guided weapon. And those are very expensive. They're hard to come by. You're going to be, again— Hard to manufacture. Right. You're going to be very judicious on the use of those. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and be able to understand— how Russia sees this and, you know, what type of timeline they expected. <laughs> but I think, you know, as we discussed, I think a great deal of this was they probably thought, you know, kind of like a shock and awe type of thing that we'd come in, you know, destroy some things, make a big deal of things, show an overwhelming force, and Ukraine would just give up. But right. that is clearly not the case. Um, yeah, no, I don't think they were prepared for the fight that they got. No, which and good, good on the Ukrainians. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I, I just, um, you know, this could, this could end very quickly, or it could be very, very drawn out. You know, <laughs> I think it's going to be very drawn out. I mean, look at it there to your to what you just said. I, I think they're very much they were not expecting the level of resistance they got, the level, the amount of casualties and losses that they've taken, which is why they're sitting down in Belarus at the negotiating table. With Zelensky. Yeah. Because I don't think Putin would, I don't think he would, if he felt like he still had more cards to play or he felt like he could be successful with just a little more time and a little more assets, I don't think he would waste time sitting down at the negotiating table. Yeah. I think he would be like, fuck you. We're not negotiating. We're taking your country. Yeah. And I don't think he would, I don't think he would, uh, he'd sit down to negotiate if he, if that's what he really thought. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. And that yep. just makes me curious what he is going to need to save face to make it at least have the appearance that this was a worthwhile investment of, of both human capital and, and hardware and yeah and hardware and money and, yeah. and everything else. Because obviously it's, it's got to be very, very expensive. 
and and Russia is not um, is not the economic superpower. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Yeah, they're they're certainly not. Which is why they're, it's their game in the first place, as we already talked about. They right. want those resources to monetize. They want to be able to control energy. They want to be able to dominate the energy market in and out of Europe. Right. And so, what are the, what are they going to require from Ukraine to to really, you know, finalize a ceasefire? That's that's, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah. And and how much is Ukraine willing to give? Because right now, I don't. I feel like Ukraine is in a position to give them pretty much nothing. Right. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, give them anything if I was Zelensky either. Yeah, I mean, to I'd be like, "Here's your terms: fuck off and get out of my country." Yeah, or we're just gonna keep fighting. Right. And so far, I think that you know the only agreement that they've come to is to create a couple of corridors that are demilitarized that allow, you know, humanitarian aid, safe zones for civilians. Yeah. yeah. Humanitarian aid in and refugees out. But again, you know, history has shown that those oftentimes don't hold up very well no i mean the russians fragile the russians are definitely not great at keeping their word on things uh no so like i mean the whole reason i mean one of the things that you i think you put up a post about it about the nuclear capabilities the nuclear weapons that were in ukraine when the uh when the soviet union collapsed and dissolved yep part of the agreements were like ukraine gives their nuclear weapons back to russia and russia Mm-hmm. then turns around and guarantees them stability and security. Correct. Yep. And that's been broken. That has been very broken, yeah. yeah. And and you, you have to wonder if, you know, people in Ukraine regret that, that decision. Would would this play out differently if Ukraine was a, a nuclear armed state? I don't I don't know. I think um, it very much would. Yeah. People tiptoe around the whole the nuclear I mean it's the Trump card. Right. The fucking the nuclear capability is the Trump card for people. It's why people are, you know, freaked out that's why we're all freaked out about this situation with uh with russia where they're like oh well let's let's get our uh, our nuclear teams spun up yeah put them on a super high level of alert yeah which may not have occurred since the end of the cold war yeah yeah their nuclear deterrence forces are you know on on, on high alert which is brakesmanship posturing i don't know but it's 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 uh it's worrisome it is very worrisome yeah so I don't think, I think if Ukraine had maintained their nuclear weapons, they probably would have been potentially offered a spot at the NATO table. And I doubt that Russia would be invading them right now. If they knew that they could park a nuke in the middle of Moscow, I doubt that they would be so apt to invade the country and and do what they're doing right now. Yeah. You know, one thing is, 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 is kind of interesting. Apparently you can't join NATO if you have any sort of active border disputes. Which, you know, obviously these breakaway regions in Crimea would, would certainly qualify yeah. as. So I, I do think that there was, you know, kind of more to that annexation than probably met the eye. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly a warm water port is very important for Russia. If, right. you, know, if, you know, naval power to Russia is a, a big part of their military apparatus. Mm-hmm. And if you're locked out of being able to <laughs> launch ships or service them for six months a year... Yeah, um, you're gonna you're gonna want that warm water port, right? right. So that, I mean, that definitely makes sense. Well, but and also to export energy resources. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 If your if your if your ports that you have are frozen over half the year, you can't get you can't get energy out to monetize, and you can't do maintenance and force building. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So strategically, it you know we're back to it you know reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And you have the added you know benefit of this border disputes that you know prevents 
Ukraine from joining NATO. Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I researched that and looked into it, it went back like it was back in 99. It went all the way back to 99 of Ukraine trying to join the EU and join NATO. And between the politics of the EU, the politics of NATO, the politics going on inside Ukraine, our, you know, our position and our politics on them joining, it, it was a lot of, it looked like a lot of political circle jerking to me where yeah. they were like, okay, well, you know, it was, it was a, an even mix of, well, Ukraine, we don't know if we want you to join. You want to join? Okay, we don't know if you want to. Okay, let's look at your constitution. We need you to ratify these things in your constitution so that we feel good about you becoming a NATO member. Okay, cool, you did that. But then now the election cycle runs through, and now you have a pro-Russian president that's been elected, and now he tells the EU and NATO to go fuck themselves because he wants to, you know, hold Putin's hand. And so then they deal with that. Then they you know, reelect another president that gets back in and then you, you start the cycle all over again. Okay. Hey, we ousted that Russian friendly president. Now we want to, you know, join NATO again, join the EU again. What do we have to do to do that? And then it's just, it's been to me from the very cursory small amount of research I did. I'm not a fucking subject matter expert in NATO or European union politics by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, by zero stretch, but yeah. just the very rudimentary reading that I did on the subject, it just looked like a lot of political circle jerking and diplomatic sub subterfuge that I didn't really have a good point of reference on and can grasp. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's why Ukraine, part of the reason why, for at least from my, from what I could, you know, ascertain, it's, it's part of the reason why Ukraine never became part of NATO. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously pretty selective about who can join, you know, when you have a defense pack that way. And, you know, my also, my understanding as well is there's a lot of intelligence and information sharing that goes goes on, you know, between NATO nations. And, you know, you got to be careful with who gets access to those things, right. you know, so. Well, and not only that, like, hey, we've got this, like, heavily contested nation state that wants to be part of the club. Mm -hmm. But if we make them part of the club, are they going to draw us into a war with Russia? Correct. Especially if you're basically contractually obligated to come to each yeah. other's aid. Yeah. 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 Which is what the case is, you know? Yep. So if you have, you know, it's, and it's probably why they have that policy of like no border disputes, but right. having no border disputes and then especially having a border dispute with like one of the leading superpowers <laughs> in the world is a, it's a major issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, maybe politics aren't, weren't necessarily a bad thing in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you have to be got to be careful you got to be very judicious about that um, because you know the consequences are potentially catastrophic so yeah and would and then if you if you were devil to devil's advocate that would russia have even invaded if they were members of nato right yeah knowing what the consequence was i don't know that they would have hey if i go to yeah. war with this country so that i can have a warm water port and take all of their natural resources under the guise of a peacekeeping mission that's going to draw me into a war with like 20 other nations to include the U.S. Right. So uh, is the squeeze worth the juice on that? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Probably so that, not. That might have been a deterrence if they were a member of NATO, if yeah. they were made a member of NATO. So. And, and that ultimately is, you know, the, the mission statement, uh, I think, of NATO, spoken or unspoken, is, is really just one of deterrence, you know, more right. than anything else. So, yeah, I, I that... Uh, this scenario is, is pretty much worst case, you know, leading up to this. And I know a lot of people were hoping that, um, I mean, they wouldn't go forward. And I think, you know, even myself, I, I figured if they would, that they'd probably isolate it to some of those breakaway regions, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, this full scale, I mean, it's, it's bold. <laughs> and especially under such a flimsy pretense. 
Uh, Correct. I mean, we haven't seen it for seven years since World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I think too the other you know a lot of the other DMs that I've gotten are people being like, oh my god, can you can you believe this? The amount of you know violence and things that are happening right now. And I'm like, yes, this is the difference between us being at war with a tremendously economically undeveloped country with a lack of resources, a lack of education, a lack of people with smartphones versus first world countries with educated people and lots of technology and everybody has a smartphone and access to the internet and LTE. Like now you're seeing war real time. Yeah. You're seeing war, you're seeing combat and war, what war looks like. Which is extraordinarily ugly. Very ugly. Yeah. In the streets. And I'm like, yeah, this is what U.S. servicemen have been doing for 20 years. You just didn't get to see it in real time because there's not a, a mesh LTE <laughs> network in or everybody educated enough or or have enough money to have a smartphone and cell service in Afghanistan. Right. Absolutely. And, and it, there is an interesting double standard how, you know, the news is covering this, how people look at this as, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people say this just feels different. It just feels different, is you know, and you have to wonder: is it because they're developed? Is it because they look like us? Is it you know? Because fundamentally, war is war, but you know, they there definitely feels like there is a double standard when it comes to the way that they are treating this, and you know, have much more of a humanitarian aspect and um, much more sensitive to the plight of the Ukrainian people than I think is typically the basis of the coverage that you saw with you know. You know, Yemen, for example, mm-hmm. with you know Saudi Arabia attacking them, they they you know, no one really cared about the plight of <laughs> people in Yemen, right? No, um, which which is unfortunate, but um, or Africa, Africa gets oh yeah ignored all the time. Like ethnic cleansing is happening all the time in in Africa, and you know we're constantly fighting, you know, a fight between China and Russia and ourselves to you know control or have influence in that on that continent and the natural resources that are involved there, the yeah. global positioning that's involved there. And then Islamic fundamentalism is always the radical in the system that like it, everybody's always dealing with. So yeah. it's a, uh, it's an interesting time to be alive, man. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, watching all of this unfold. I'm just like, you know, when people saying it, it feels different. Well, yeah, it, it is different. Yeah. Yeah. This is like some straight up like world war two, shit happening in real time yeah right now in our in our time yeah and it's in yeah. your face because yeah. you know everyone's got a technology everyone's got a camera and internet mm-hmm. access and it's been interesting that they haven't you know and I, and again i know I've, I've there's been some strikes on media infrastructure specifically like that you know television tower in kiev that was struck but I, i'm i'm almost surprised that the vast majority of the country still maintains electricity and cell service do you think that would be one of those things that you would want to, as an adversary, eliminate pretty quickly. Yeah, which also points to, is the Russian cyber threat as effective as everybody thought it was prior to this? I certainly thought it would be more robust than it, than it has been, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, if they can't shut down power and internet and cell phone towers in uh, Ukraine, are they, yeah. are they that capable? Because command and control certainly seems to, on the Ukrainian side, have its you know full suite of capabilities yeah. still, so... Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we both agree that um, funneling lethal defensive aid to Ukraine is a good thing for, you know, a lot of these countries that want to help and not get involved. But what's the line there? Because, you know, we could be potentially sharing intelligence. I'm not saying we, we, we are or not, but right. 
how far can we go you think and not and, and still maintain you know um neutrality as as much as possible but what type of of aid what type of information what type of equipment training do you think we'd be able to provide to ukraine at this point and still maintain that i don't know that's hard to say that's yeah that is a that's a line in the sand that only Putin can answer, and it's True. and it's an unknown, man. Yeah, like we he could next week be like, okay, fuck you guys, because you're you're sending javelins and you're sending you're sending anti armor, man portable anti armor to Ukrainians, so yeah, it's game on, right? Or you know, it could be we start. I mean, who knows? We could start doing humanitarian aid work there, and and I'm sure there's already nonprofits that are have already started to provide medical aid and medical support and food and clean water to all of the refugees that are being pushed from the east side of the country to the west side of the country. Mm -hmm. And that could send him over the edge. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, I don't think he's a madman. No. I think he's very uh, calculated. Yeah. I think he definitely knows exactly what the fuck he's doing and he has a strategy behind it, but I don't think he was ready for, as we have already discussed, the third and fourth order effects of the human condition to, you know, give him as much resistance as, as ha- has happened. But who's to say where the line in the sand, he's the only one that can answer that. True. Yeah. So that's why it's, that's why it's such a volatile situation. Cause we don't know what's going to frustrate him to the point where he's like, okay, cool. It's game on. Let's do this. Let's right. dance. Let's dance. It's world war three time. Yeah. Yeah, you, you'd like to think that he is a completely rational actor, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case or right. not. So, yeah, it's a uh, I don't I don't know how to answer that. I don't know where the line. Only only Putin can answer where the line in the sand is. Yeah, but I think that it's you know necessary for you know us. We can't continue to make empty threats as a as a, as a nation on the diplomatic stage, and we've done plenty of that. Oh, we've yeah. done plenty of promise breaking. We've done plenty of like backing out of deals. We've done plenty of. Um, you know, not keeping our, our word to our allies. And so and our enemies in some cases. And our, too. and our, more importantly, our enemies. Yeah. So we can't be taken seriously uh, unless we're willing to put our money where our mouth is a lot of times. And so yeah. that's, yeah, I would say it's very important for us to, you know, use every diplomatic measure necessary to try and engage and defuse the situation and support diplomatic efforts. Like if, you know, these guys are sitting down. I don't think we should send Kamala Harris because she's dumber than this fucking water bottle <laughs> without water in it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that uh, we do that. But then we also continue to, you know, supply medical uh, medical support and food and water and um, definitely supply man-portable anti-tank weapons. Yeah, and I've, I I don't know. I was trying to find when the last time we, we sent uh, Havilland's. Uh, javelins to uh, to Ukraine because I know, you know that part of what got Trump impeached was you know effectively, allegedly saying, you know I'm going to hold up this 400 million dollar um, aid package to you that was primarily weapons, right? Um, you know because you know I want you to do me a favor, right? Right. Um, but you know other than that, I'm not sure when the last time that we provided them with anything was. Right. So, but again, it's good to see all these other countries who had originally pledged neutrality stepping up and and i don't i don't know if you know Putin also really expected that he would be so easily vilified right. <laughs> and then the rest of the world really kind of has come together and 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 backed ukraine so 
so outright, um, which I th- again is good to see. But I think if he was more surgical about his war fighting capabilities and he was only engaging infrastructure and uh, you know military targets, yeah, he wouldn't have had the whole world like step up to be like, hey, this isn't cool. Yeah, the 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 murdering, the wholesale murdering of civilians, uh, is not. No, it's not ever an option, and he's he doesn't care, and he's doing it. Yeah, and it's and a it's a good way to to make yeah. enemies. That's yes, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I had somebody comment like, on the whole prisoner thing that I put up on my page, like, oh, when when do you think the Ukrainians are going to start cutting these dudes' heads off? And I said, hopefully never, because that's the fastest way to lose international support for your cause. The murdering of Russian soldiers on the internet is the fastest way to get the international community to step away from you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully, I know things get emotional on the battlefield, and you know, uh, hopefully that th- hopefully that doesn't become a thing where we start seeing, you know, Russian soldiers or Ukrainian soldiers for that matter getting. I don't want to see any like you know we've already got enough humanitarian violations just with the you know, indirect fire murdering of civilians. Yeah. We don't need to see any, uh, either army executing people without, you know, com- enemy combatants without due process. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to do anybody any good Mm-mm. ultimately. No, either side. Yeah. 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 It, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, there's rules around fighting, right. <laughs> around war fighting, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, from a, an optics standpoint and a political standpoint and, you know, maintaining those relationships, you know, after the conflict is over, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. So, you know, look at our relationships with with Germany and Japan at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, craziness. All right, man. Well, we probably beat this horse to death. What uh, What do you want to close with, man? Uh, man, I don't know. What do you What, what do you got? What are you thinking? Um, I don't know, man. I think we I think we're good. I think we we covered it. We we did a did social media rant. We did. A, I think we did great uh coverage of ukraine their ukraine situations so yeah i think that's i think we're good man there there's one topic that i think uh is overlooked that's very important dear to my heart especially okay, okay here we go so, especially on. as a doctor right? um <laughs> i find that although we're all aware that the size of boobs is important but i think the nipple <laughs> to boob ratio is often a, a very overlooked and and important aesthetic so we were feature i like i like your style so we've shifted from we've shifted from political yeah. things to to uh equally as important international council of men yeah. topics yeah equally as okay. important though yeah. i mean really right at the end of the day yeah i mean i mean i'm a, a huge fan of the female form so yeah, yeah definitely absolutely uh i agree with you yeah i agree that i mean war crimes and uh ruining a good set of cans with you know salad plate nipples they're yeah. on equal footing yeah. at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that there is a definitely a size ratio. That, yeah. That there's, like a, there's like a sweet spot in there. There's like there, this there perfect. Is. Yeah, nobody, nobody likes uh, teacup nipples for sure. Yeah. 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 No. And I, if I, you I, have I, them, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to be real with you. Yeah. 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 I mean, some dudes like it. That's the, that's, be- that's, hey, that's the beauty of it. Everyone's got different preferences, yeah, right? everyone's got... Yeah, yeah, everyone's got different preferences, and those just, just don't happen to be ours. No, no, I'm 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 pretty sensitive to that uh, to that ratio. Uh, I think it's a uh, 22.6% uh, surface area uh, is is the ideal form there. 
I like that. Did you did you write a paper on uh, on this? Have you have you is this your what you're publishing? Is this your new? It's my PhD thesis. Yeah, it's an ongoing project of mine. Yeah. Okay, and so that's good. I'll I'll make sure I will peer review that when you're. <laughs> yeah, you should. When it's when it's written and completed. Yeah. Make sure you, you give me a copy before we we publish yeah. it. We'll get it. We'll get it peer reviewed. I'll peer review it. It's a lot of visual aids. Yeah. Yeah. Those are important. Those are very important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think we have a good sample size. Uh, definitely, we have a good sample size. Yeah, yeah. Part of what goes on the DMs isn't always <laughs> related to gear and guns and combat. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sometimes it goes along with our, our the the ongoing scientific research that you and I both conduct. This is true. Yeah. Yep. And and ultimately, we are serving mankind. We are. Yeah. These are very important scientific endeavors yes. that we, we take part in. Yeah, so lady, sure. ladies, keep keep the sample size strong. Keep them coming, you know? Keep, <laughs> keep them coming. If you're curious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Reach sure. out to my to my my fellow doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yes. on that note. <laughs> and on that note, I hope everybody has a fantastic week. And uh, we will we'll catch you on the flip side. Until next time, peace.